With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At home, we got a little old radio on the porch. Whenever it won't work, Pa just spits in the back of it and walks it a good and it works every time. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Hey, y'all, hey, she's a worker. She's a worker. The Riley and Kimmy Show. It's a flashback Friday. You, you heard right. We're going to go back in time on this episode. Right next to me is a person who loves to go backwards. Yes, she does. Kimmy. I got one thing. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Hello, handsome. You're a good-looking fellow. Do you know that? People laugh at you. People hate you. But why do they hate you? Because they are jealous. Look at that boyish face. Look at that sweet smile. You are not evil. You are good. Ah, uh, yes, yes. It's finally, it's finally certified. I, I am good. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Somebody who is not just good, she is something else. Right next to me. Yeah, she's always doing something new, but one thing for sure, she is strange, and that is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Are you in a good mood? Because what day it is? Oh, yeah. What day is it, Kimmy? It's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. I'm free again. I got my motor running for a wild weekend. It's Friday, Friday. I'm out of control. Forget the work and blues and let the Yes, thank goodness it is Friday. And thank you for making us part of maybe your your weekend, your entire weekend. That, that's a great thing, right, Kimmy? Yeah. You can take us along all weekend long. Brand new shows every single day. You heard right. We don't take a day off. Brand new stuff. Every single day, all pop culture oriented. And that's, that's where the talk all revolves around with a heavy emphasis on nostalgia and retro. If you know somebody who likes that kind of stuff, tell them about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. You can also help us grow by liking our Facebook page and Twitter page and, you know, Tumblr and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. Instagram, too. And have your friends do the same. Links to those things and, well, also a platform so you can easily take us anywhere on planet Earth. We are proud to say we're part of iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can find those links on our website. Also, celebrity interviews we have done, pop culture information, oh, and so much more. All those things available on our website. What's our web address, Kimmy? 
RileyandKimmy.com. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play That's the question for this flashback Friday. Does Kimmy want to go back in time? Challenge her brain cells with a thrilling game of pop culture trivia. What say you on this flashback Friday, Kimmy? Well, yes, I believe I would. One of the things I need to point out, the timeline, the pop culture timeline has been adjusted. It's not running in, well, chronological or linear order. It's all messed up. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers. I think she's a little crazy. She says it works. So yell at whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. Let's make sure she's strapped in and ready to go. Are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right. Very first question. Plus or minus of one year. It was on this date. The murder trial against O.J. Simpson began in Los Angeles, California. Tell me what year, plus or minus of one. 1994. You miss it, but you get it because of the error. It was 1995 the trial started. It was on this date, 1949. This Chicago-based children's show made its national debut on NBC TV. You don't know it from 1949. You know it from years later. Tell me the entire name of the show. It's complete name. There are three people or three entities that are part of the title. Here is your clue. Fran, you have got to help me with my little cousin Dolores. She is very strange lately. Really? Yes, I'd speak to her and, and she doesn't answer me. She doesn't seem to be able to concentrate. She's kind of dreamy-eyed all the time. And this bothers me. You know, there's nobody in the dragon family like that at all. And I just don't understand where this trait came from. Well, that is strange, Ollie. How long have you noticed this? Notice what? Uh, <laughs> notice what? Yeah. What you just asked me. What was that? About, the, about Dolores. Daydreaming. Dolores Daydream. No, I know Dolores Dragon. That's my little cousin. I don't know Dolores oh, Daydreaming. Hmm? You are too much. Am I really? Can you tell me the name of that TV show? It started in 1949 and would evolve or change and morph into other things. Kukla, Fran, and Ollie? Yeah, you got that right. Were you a fan of Kukla, Fran, and Ollie? No. So I can't... There wasn't just one of them you liked? Not Kukla or Fran mm -hmm. or Ollie? No. I kind of like Ollie, the dragon. Oh. Uh, I thought he was kind of cool. Okay. Kind of had a little attitude. Okay. Had a great memory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You kind of identify with it? With him? Uh, with it? You called him, him. an it? Yeah, I, I, a, a little bit, I think. And Data. you kind of remind me of one of the others on that show. The year is oh. 1957. Identify the hit, Kimmy. Well, I bless my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. I'm all shook up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Who had that as a hit, Kimmy? Elvis. Yeah, recorded on the state 1957 for his forthcoming movie, Loving You. The year is 1959. Barry Gordy borrows $800 to form this record company, which would become a record empire. Can you tell me the name of the recording company he forms for $800? Motown? That's right, 1959. The year is 1966. This TV show debuts on ABC TV, Kimmy. Brief clue. Listen carefully. Tell me the name of the TV show. You filthy criminals. Can you tell me the name of the TV show, Kimmy? Batman. Moving ahead one year. The year 1967. This TV show returns to NBC after being off the network for eight years. Identify the TV show, Kimmy. You're a cop, a flatfoot, a bull, a dick, John Law. You're the fuzz, the heat, your poison, your trouble, your bad news. Can you tell me the name of that TV show? Dragnet. That's correct. Dragnet returns 1967. I wish one of the area retro TV networks, meaning TV stations that carry the TV networks, would run the original Dragnet series. The black and white years, I've only seen a few of those. Those are extremely good, the ones I've seen. Mm. And the radio series is fantastic, which was before the television series. Matter of fact, ran for a period of time at the same time during the TV series back in the 50s. They both ran not, not the same shows. They were different shows, different productions with Jack Webb. If you want to check one of those out, we have one of those available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. One more year we click ahead in the world of TV. The year is 1968. The Supremes appear in an episode of this TV show. They play a group of nuns. Identify the TV show they appeared on. The year is 1968. Can you tell me the name of that TV show the Supremes appeared on as a group of nuns? I'm afraid not. Oh, Tarzan. The dark land of the jungle is the country of the unknown, of savagery, terror, and peril beyond the imagination of men. Here, in the forbidden tangle of the jungle, a child was found and raised by the great apes. The boy took the name Tarzan and later was educated in civilization. But then Tarzan returned to the deadly land he knew so well. And everywhere in the jungle, from the great falls to the huge mountains, to the land of ghost men and the limitless rainforest, the cheetah has grown to know one who is swifter. The lion knows one who is braver, Tarzan. The strength of Tarzan, no man can say. Deep in the jungle, Tarzan continues to enforce his law. The law of right. 
Tarzan's awesome warning cry is known to every living creature in the jungle. Hearing that cry, the antelope knows he is safe. The lion pauses. The crocodile seeks the safety of the water. The elephant comes to his friend, Tarzan of the Apes. A little flashback Friday moment there. The full opening to the Tarzan TV show that kicked off in 1966, Kimmy. Mm, Tarzan. Uh, yeah, Tarzan. Why, Dustin? Interesting the way he pronun- pronounces it. I have not don't think I've heard it that way before. What the, way? The announcer, he said Tarzan. Yeah, Tarzan. Tarzan. Well, he says Tarzan, I say Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah. Tarzan. Tomato, tomato. 1966, Ron Eli played... Tarzan and the Supremes appeared on an episode on NBC TV playing a group of nuns. Now, you might be able to catch that on the Heroes and Icons Nostalgia Network. They run Tarzan on Saturday mornings with their, like, Saturday morning sci-fi cartoon alternative, I don't know, superhero block. It's something like that. Yeah. I love it. It kicks off at 5 o'clock in the morning with Green Hornet followed by The Adventures of Superman. I love it. They're focusing on the black and white years. Yeah. Love those. And then Batman. Then, yeah. Then Tarzan. Yeah. And then I think it goes into the Greatest American Hero, which I kind of, kind of don't mind seeing now. Mm. I didn't like it way back when, but it, I kind of like Robert Culp. Mm. I think he's kind of cool. Uh huh. In that. Moving back to trivia, Kimmy. It was on this date, 1968. The nighttime version of this game show premieres on NBC TV. Identify the game show. Walter Matthau. Sally Fields. Charlie Weaver. Jaja Gabor, Wally Cox, Nanette Fabre, Jan Murray, Van Johnson, and Buddy Hackett, all in... On what show, Kimmy? Hollywood Squares. The Hollywood Squares. Can you tell me who the host of the Hollywood Squares was? Here's your clue. Thank you. Thank you, and welcome... Welcome to the night uh, time edition of Hollywood Squares, and uh, hello, stars. Sterling panel, Buddy Hackett's back with us, and Van Johnson, our buddy Walter Matthau, a lot of our regulars, and uh, Flying Nun, the Sally Field, Zsa it's so nice. Nanette, nice to see you with us this evening. Who is it, Kimmy? Is it Peter something? Yes, Peter something. Can you do it? We'll give you five seconds here. No. Peter Marshall. Ah. Hollywood Squares. He did the daytime, nighttime syndicated version. Matter of fact, also went to uh, radio, did radio too. Did uh, hosted like a Music of Your Life satellite uh, program, Peter Marshall. Years 1969, the debut album for this group is released in the United States. Not a chart hit, but would become identified with the band. It was played on album rock radio stations and eventually classic rock radio stations years later. Tell me the name of the band with their debut album on this date. so long it's not true Wanted a woman never bargained for you Lots of people talking few of them know Soul of a woman was created for love Can you tell me who had their debut album on this date 1969? Led Zeppelin? That's right. The year is 1971. This TV show premieres debuts on CBS TV. Tell me the name of the TV show. So it's their fault that you call them those names? It ain't my fault, meathead. <laughs> What's on the idiot box? 
It's only an idiot box if an idiot is watching. <laughs> so don't peek. Boy needs your friendship. Yeah, what do you got circled here? Oh, your local big Pat O'Brien and a Newt Rockney story. Again? <laughs> here we are. Ah. Our time has come waltzing in. Where the hell he has been, anyhow? We got back in time. He's still in one of his good moods. Can you identify the TV show, Kimmy? All in the family. Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like me, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were It made it to TV because it actually had two pilots that the network did. First one, they didn't say, we can't air. It's just, no, no. But they didn't dump the show. They said, okay, do another pilot, and they would pick it up. First pilot was done in 1968. Wow. With some different cast members. Not Carol O'Connor. He was part of it. But they made some changes and adjustments, and they finally gave it the green light in 1971. It took a bit of time. It's kind of interesting because Star Trek was the same way. It did two pilots before it it aired. Uh-huh. And this one did the same. Hmm. The year is 1974. This song peaks at number one on the pop charts, Kimmy. Tell me the name of the song. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> Cause I speak of the pompatus of love. Can you tell me the name of that song? Joker. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker. I get my love and on the Can you tell me who had that as a hit? Kimmy, number one on this date, 1974. Steve Miller. That's right, Steve Miller Band. One of my well, earliest memories playing around with music, somebody gave me a bunch of eight tracks, and that was one of them mm. on the greatest hits. Now, problem with that song, The Joker, when it would play on eight track, it would cut right in the middle of it and chunk to the next track. Mm. So you get that you know nice guitar stuff going there, and then chunk, chunk, going, going, yeah. Uh, that's what well, I just have that memory. It's kind okay. of upsetting when you think about it. Mm. The year is 1991. Give me this nighttime drama. Do you notice I call it that nighttime drama? Mm-hmm. Also known as a soap opera, produced by Aaron Spelling, premieres on ABC TV. The year is 1981. Tell me the name of the show. <laughs> Jimmy, can you identify that TV show? 
Um, it's an Aaron Spelling production. I don't know. I'll give you a clue. It starred John Forsythe, Linda Evans, and Joan Collins. Yes, I never watched it. Well, what, what, what was it called? Uh, I, I, it had a spinoff I, called I, The Colbys. That was its yeah, spinoff. It was yeah. a rival to Dallas in ways. I think it aired Thursday nights. Dallas aired Friday nights. Can you tell I, me the name of it? I can't think of it. It's called Dynasty. Yeah. You remember? You don't remember Dynasty? Um, I didn't watch it. All right. Moving somewhere else on the timeline. It was on this date, 1991, this musician was released from an Ohio prison after serving two years of a seven-year sentence. He was in the slammer for a barroom shooting. Now, before leaving office, the governor at the time commuted this person's sentence. Tell me who it is. Give me, here is your clue. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? Uh, Johnny Paycheck? You got it right. That was his number one hit from 1977. Also, if you're a fan of Smokey and the Bandit, he plays in, in that. He's an actor, too. Was an actor, too, as well. Released mm-hmm. from jail on this date in history prison uh, on this date. The year is 1999. This person's debut album was released. The title track does extremely well, Kimmy. Tell me who has an album out on this date in history, 1999. Can you tell me who it is and what's the name of that album? The song right there is the name of the album. Um, well, it's Britney Spears. Yeah. Yeah. And the song, the title of the album. Um. Uh, Hit me one more time. No, it's not hit me one more time. It is baby one more time. That is okay. Britney Spears. Judges say give it to you because you, you got over 50% of it. Okay. The year is 2014. This director, actor, receives the Cecil B. DeMille Award for Lifetime Achievement. This happens at the 71st Annual Golden Globe Awards. Identify who it is. This soundbite is from an earlier time when he's asked about his films. He's asked what film would he recommend to someone who has never seen any of his movies. Tell me who it is. You know, it's funny. I myself have such a grim appraisal of them. Um, uh, there's there's so few of them that uh, that I've ever really been happy with i guess one that made me happy but it was not an overly popular film was husbands and wives um it was a film when when i'm talking about my films when i write them i set out to do something and if i accomplish that then i feel good about the film in husbands and wives i accomplished what i set out to do pretty much so i have a good feeling about it but i've done many other films where i didn't come close to realizing my original conception, my conception was so wonderful in my mind and I screwed it up so when I made the film that even though those films were successful, I didn't get 
a significant amount of personal pleasure out of them. So I would say Husbands and Wives uh, and Purple Rose of Cairo, for example, were two films of mine that gave me a lot of pleasure. So I would recommend them to other people. Who is it, Kimmy? Woody Allen. You're right. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Tell me why this person's on the famous list, Kimmy. Born 1876. Jack London. He was an author. Very good. Bonus points if you can tell me something he wrote. Call of the Wild. That's right. The Call of the Wild and White Fang were those that he's re- well. Those are the ones he's really known for to this day. Died at the age of 40 in 1916. Born on this date, 1876. Next person, Louise Reiner, born on this date, 1910. Died at the age of 104 in 2014. She was the first actor to win more than one Academy Award, and at the time of her death, the longest living recipient of the Academy Award. Next individual, celebrating a birthday today, Kimmy. He is 83 years old. He is a mentalist. He became extremely popular on TV in the 1970s. From 1970 to 75, he had a TV show with his name. It was in syndication in the United States, and he appeared on The Tonight Show 61 times. From 1970 to 1980, in the 80s and 90s, he became, well, back in prominence by appearing on Late Night with David Letterman. I'm sure you've seen him on TV. Tell me who it is. I want you to concentrate. If I say something that rings a bell in your mind, I'd like you to stand and acknowledge it. Let me know where you are. Someone's going to come up to you with a microphone. You wouldn't have to touch it. They'll just kind of hold it to you. Would you concentrate, please, and... uh, uh, as I'm speaking to you, I'll jot down my impressions on this pad. Who is thinking Ali? Uh, does that ring a bell? Uh, come, will the lady come over here? Is it spelled A L L? Is it I E or with yeah. it is I? That's unusual. Who is Ali? My daughter. Uh, uh, can I ask you this? Um, you're asking me in your mind about. Is it your dog you're thinking about? Is it the dog? You have a dog? I have a dog. You have a dog. Uh. Does the initial C ring a bell? Yes or no? Yes, yes. or no? Is that, the, is that the initial of the dog? Yes. Would the dog's name be Cody? Yes. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. Can you tell me who it is, Kimmy? Kreskin. That's right. He had the TV show The Amazing World of Kreskin. Celebrating his 83rd birthday today. I think he is still performing, by the way. Hmm. Recently, I, I watched not long ago because I find him fascinating. Because he also does magic tricks, too. You know, the, most people don't realize he is a gifted, gifted uh, card manipulator hmm. with card magic. Fantastic. See if I can find a video that I've, I've had saved in the past where he shows, and it's not that long ago. I mean, he's like 80 when he does this, 81. He shows manipulating a, a deck of cards. Hmm. It's just, it's fantastic what, it, what, he, what he did and does. Definitely an entertainer. Next individual, tell me why he is on the famous birthday list. That is Joe Frazier, born on this date, 1944. What made him famous? He was a boxer. That's right. Smokin' Joe was a professional boxer. He competed from 1965 to 1981, reigned as the undisputed heavyweight champion from 1970 to 1973. Next individual currently resides in Palm Beach, Florida, Kimmy. That is where he broadcasts from. According to estimates by Talkers Magazine, he has a weekly audience of over 
13 million listeners, making him the most listened to talk radio program in the United States. Who is it? And so Wednesday, okay, you're going to be back Thursday, right? I mean, you're, well, no, I, I plan to stay off the, the whole week. No, you, we, we, but you have guest hosts? Yeah. Okay, then. The original plan holds. And so the harassment continued, and finally, here I am. Kimmy, who is it? Who oh, is boy. number one oh. of talk radio? Can I have his initials? R.L. He lost his hearing for a period of time. R.L., Kimmy. Limbaugh. Rush, right. Rush Limbaugh. That's right. Rush Limbaugh having a birthday today. How old is he within five years? Uh, 55. Rush Limbaugh will give you the biggest hug on planet Earth, or at least a fist bump. He is 67 today. Next individual, tell me why he is on the famous birthday list. Celebrating his 66th birthday today, Ricky Van Shelton. Kimmy, tell me why he's on that list. Uh, singer? Country singer? Shelton celebrating a birthday today. That song right there, a little sample, a little tribute, number one from 1990. Next individual, Kimmy, tell me who it is and how old he is within five years. He's an American radio and television personality. He has two books, Private Parts, 1993, and Miss America, 1995. Both of them entered the New York Times bestseller list at number one, both selling over one million copies. Uh, Private Parts was made into a well, biography comedy film in 1997. Who is the birthday person? Howard Stern. Yes, how old is Howard Stern today within five? Uh, 65. Howard Stern is 64 today. Next individual, Kimmy. Identify who it is with these clues and tell me how old she is within five years. She's an actress known for this TV show. Tell me the TV show the moment you can. Cheers. That's right. Cheers. She appeared on Cheers. Tell me who she is. Here's your clue. I was a little off on payroll, so I just made up a bunch of numbers. (laughs) What are you doing? You're drinking coffee. Yeah, so? You can't drink coffee when we're trying to make a baby. Tan, that is not the point. You are supposed to stay in peak physical condition. You know, caffeine loading could be the reason why we haven't been able to conceive for the last two months. No, Sam, you have to promise me something. Tell I am pregnant. You have to stay in better shape. You have to stop drinking coffee, stop eating junk food, and stop staying up late watching movies. Can you tell me who the birthday person is? Kirstie Alley. That's right. How old is she? Within five years. Um, 53? She would give you a hug. She is 67 today. Oh. Tell me the name of the science fiction film she was part of in 1982. I don't believe this was a fair test of my command abilities because there was no way to win. A no-win situation is a possibility every commander may face. Has that never occurred to you? No, sir. It has not. As I indicated, Admiral, that thought had not occurred to me. The Kobayashi Maru, sir, on the test, sir, will you tell me what you did? Can you tell me what movie in the world of sci-fi she is famous for? Star Trek. Star Trek. The motion picture. No. Star Trek 2, subtitle. The Wrath of Khan? That's right, The Wrath of Khan. 
Remember she played, mm-hmm. you know, you, you remember, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Moving to a musical birthday today, Kibby. Tell me who is having a birthday and how old he is within five years. Here is your clue. Conquering the world. Can you tell me who the birthday person is? Rob Zombie. That's right. How old is Rob Zombie today within five years? Uh, 52. Rob Zombie is 53 today. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people who passed away on this date in history. Kimmy, tell me why this person is on the notable list. She passed away in 1976 at the age of 85. Agatha Christie. She was a mystery novelist. Whoa, very good. Known for 66 detective novels and 14 short story collections. Next individual, 1991, passed away at the age of 86. He was the first to play the number one son in the Charlie Chan films. He was also the original Cato in the films of the Green Horn in 1939 through 1941. But you know him for this TV show, Kimmy. Listen carefully, tell me the TV show, and by the way, you'll find out why somebody had a certain nickname. Tell me the name of the show he is famous for. You are the new student. Come closer. You cannot see. You think I cannot see. Of all things, to live in darkness must be the worst. Fear is the only darkness. Take your broom. And strike me with it. Do as I tell you. Strike. Again. Here, catch. (laughs) Never assume that because a man has no eyes, he cannot see. Close your eyes. What do you hear? I hear the water. I hear the birds. Do you hear your own heartbeat? No. Do you hear the grasshopper, which is at your feet? Old man, how is it that you hear these things? Young man, how is it that you do not? Can you tell me the TV show he is known for? Kung Fu. Yes, he played Master Poe and gave John Carradine's character his nickname, Grasshopper. Mm. That's how it came to be. He also played Mr. Wing in the Gremlins films. That is Key Luke, who passed away on this date, 1991. Next individual, 1999, passed away an American voice actress. Kimmy died at the age of 84. Tell me the movie and the character she is known for. She's done many things, but she's really known for this one. It's from 1961. Here is your brief clue. Anita and her bashful Beethoven. Pipe and all. Roger, you are a fool. Hello. Jasper. 
Jasper, you idiot! Can you tell me the name of the movie she's known for? 101 Dalmatians. And the character she voiced? Cruella DeVille. That's right, Kimmy. That's Betty Lou Gerson, who passed away on this date. 1999, at the age of 84, she was named a Disney legend in 1996. Next individual passed away at the age of 53, 2003. Tell me what pop group he was part of, Kimmy. Maurice Gibb passed away. The Bee Gees. That's correct. Died on this date of cardiac arrest, 2003. I think you did a fantastic job with trivia on this, well, Flashback Friday. Thank you. We're going to go back in time and honor something from trivia with a golden age of radio. That's coming up next on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Attention comic book fans, toy collectors, lovers of pop culture, and cosplayers. The Orlando Toy and Comic Con is happening Sunday, January 28th. It's bigger and better in a new location. The Orlando Toy and Comic Con is being held at the beautiful and spacious Florida Hotel and Conference Center, 1500 Sand Lake Road, Orlando, Florida. Attention zombie fans, meet Tony Moore, the co-creator of The Walking Dead. Get your photo taken with one of the world's leading cosplayers, Cecil Grimes, impersonator of Rick Grimes of the hit TV show, The Walking Dead. This is your chance to meet Nick Bradshaw, artist on Guardians of the Galaxy, Wolverine and the X-Men. Artist Ryan Stegman of Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, Wolverine Fang. Artist Billy Tushy, the creator of the comic book, She. Artist Ryan Otley, best known for Image Comics, Invincible. Frank Terry, writer of DC and Marvel Comics and the video game Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Fate of Two Worlds. Discover why many consider the Orlando Toy and Comic Con the best one-day comic book toy show in America. Visit Orlando Toy and Comic Con's Facebook page for locations of advanced tickets and the website orlandotoyandcomiccon.com. Share with all your friends Sunday, January 28th. It's the Orlando Toy and Comic Con at a new location, bigger and better, with many new vendors bringing tons of comic books, toys, pop vinyls, collectibles, and more. It's the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. It's worth the drive. It's worth the flight. January 28th, the Orlando Toy and Comic-Con. Don't miss it. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Radio Radio. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Anytime we can go back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear, and focus on the golden age of radio, we take that opportunity. We mentioned earlier that actress Louise Reiner was born on this date in 1910. She was no stranger to the golden age of radio. We have an example of her old-time radio work, a fantastic example called Great Impersonation. It's from 1948. Here's our tribute to actress Louise Reiner on the Riley and Kimmy Show. You talk like him and you look like him, but you are not Edward Dominic. You are not my husband at all. With a moment from The Great Impersonation by E. Phillips Oppenheim, we invite you to Studio One, a full hour of dramatic entertainment from radio's celebrated playhouse. And now to introduce tonight's great story, here is the director of Studio One, 
Fletcher Markle. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we pick up our swords and capes, our secret plans and smuggled messages, and sharpen our wits to bring you what is unquestionably one of the best romantic melodramas ever written. The Great Impersonation by E. Phillips Oppenheim is an impressive blend of love and perfidious intrigue, and we have an impressive cast to play it for you. First, there's one of Hollywood's very great actresses, twice winner of the Academy Award, who is playing Lady Domine for us tonight, Miss Louise Reiner. And then there's another young lady who's had a successful whirl at almost everything theatrical, a dozen movies and a score of plays, and who is now about to become a Broadway producer, Miss Beverly Roberts, whom you'll be hearing as Stephanie. And third, but certainly not last or least, one of the most malevolent villains of motion pictures, Mr. Walter Slezak, who is happily cast to type tonight as Alfred Zaman. The Mrs. Reiner and Roberts and Mr. Slezak have lowered their eyes and raised their scripts, and I'm going to remain at the microphone with them to impersonate a young man who may or may not be considered our hero. Thunder, please. And later, inevitably, blood. I must reach the dueling ground before daybreak. The horses will break under the strain, Your Highness. A man's life depends on my arrival. Whip the horses. I must prevent that duel. It is wrong of you to come here, Stephanie. You have embarrassed me shamefully before your husband and the gentlemen of our party. No, it is you who are wrong, Leopold. My husband has tricked you into this duel. He may violate the Kaiser's edict, being Hungarian and a prince. But you're a German officer. Exactly. And that is why, having given my word of honor, I cannot withdraw, or Berlin would despise me. Oh, but I love you, Leopold. And you must not risk exile. The Kaiser will never forgive you. And I shall lose you. Keep your voice low, my dear. They will hear you. Leopold, listen to me. Look at me. It is too late, Stephanie. Oh, no, please, Leopold. You bruise my heart. I have accepted the challenge. But you must go no further. Alex is insane, I tell you. I know my husband. His, his mind is sick. And there is some trick to this duel. Trick? You will be disgraced. And that will mean exile. Or you must think of me, Leopold. Of us. We are young. There is so much in the future for us. Baron von Ruggestein. Only a moment. Stephanie, I insist that you return to your carriage. Johann. No, you must not. I won't let you. If the Kaiser finds out... The Baron out... seems loath to tear himself away from my wife's arms. Stephanie, stop this. Stop this at once. Johann. Yes, Excellency. Escort her highness to a carriage and drive away at once. Goodbye, Stephanie. I must go. No. No, Leopold, no. Wait, please. You must not do this. Leopold. Leopold. Gentlemen, I regret the interruption. I am now at your service. Inside the storm, Baron von Ragerstein. I am here as a witness... But I am duty-bound to plead once again that other means be found to settle your differences. We live in the 20th century. It is the year 1906. Dueling no longer is fitting to our culture and is, in fact, expressly forbidden by His Imperial Majesty, Kaiser Wilhelm. Come, come, we know all this. Baron von Ragerstein is fully bound. And should our Emperor the Kaiser learn of this meeting, it is probable the Baron will pay the price of exile. Does the Baron wish to forfeit his honor and cry for pardon as would a thieving beggar before a magistrate? I think not, Prince Adestrom. I have the choice of weapons and I have chosen the sword. I am eager to begin. Very well. Take your positions, gentlemen. Hogarth. 
Storm died at your sword point, Baron von Rogerstein. And if your family were not influential in my court, you would not at this moment be kneeling before us. I do not seek clemency, your Imperial Majesty. That is well, for we are not inclined to clemency. We will not have our subjects disposing of themselves in stupid duels. We have need for every trained nobleman. We know best where lies the honor of greater Germany. You were carefully prepared for your career to serve the fatherland. For this purpose, you were sent to England to be educated there. But now you have disgraced your name and your family. You have flaunted our law. We shall make you understand that we rule here. You are banished to German East Africa. Africa. And further, we forbid the woman of your heart, Princess Eiderstrom, to enter our colony there to join you. Baron von Ragestein, you have failed the plan be destined to be yours in the making of greater Germany. You leave within the hour. Your audience is finished. Uh, September 22nd, 1913. Darawaga Settlement, German East Africa, etc., Mr. Alfred Zeman, Bank of South Africa, building Johannesburg. Duplicate to Intelligence Headquarters in Berlin, as usual. Yes, Excellency. Uh, my dear Mr. Zeman, I wish personally to thank you. We are taking the action you suggest on British espionage. During my seven years here in German East Africa, I have found that our colonial troops displayed loyalty beyond question. And since I personally have trained these troops, come... Your Excellency... Dr. Schmitz. Uh, forgive me, Your Excellency, but our natives have just brought in an exhausted and starving man. For a moment, I thought it was you. It was a terrible shock. He's English, but the resemblance is startling. I am suspicious of any Englishman. Where is he? Just outside, Your Excellency, in the hospital tent. Uh, let's look at him. How did he make his way into the camp? Well, I could not question him. He has not yet talked rationally. Where the English are concerned, what might seem only a blunder may be artful calculation. In here? Yes, Excellency. There. Do we not look upon a likeness of yourself? The nose, mouth, cleft chin. And see, even the color of the hair and beard. Yes. Ah, one difference I now detect. The ears. The earlobes. But a minute difference, discernible only to a student of physiognomy. Dr. Schmitz, I know this man. You know him? Yes. A relative. That explains the resemblance. No, he is not of my family, although we may have common ancestors. We Germans and the English have little in common, except possibly ancestors. His blundering into our camp may be quite a stroke of luck for me. <laughs> You are awake at last. How are you feeling, Sir Edward Domini? What? What did you call me? 
By name. You are Edward Dominey. How'd you know? I say, I have a devil of a thirst. You shall have something to drink. What, what place is this? Barrowaga Settlement, German East Africa. Excellency. Bring a glass of hock and seltzer. Make a gallon of the filthy stuff. I'm bone dry. Yes, sir. Look here. Who are you, anyway? I might be looking at a likeness of myself. Only in better health. I am Major General Baron Leopold von Ragestein. At your service. How do you know me by name? We were schoolboys at about the same period at Eton and Magdalen afterwards. Oh, of course, I do remember. We were alike as two peas in a pod. Your name's De Winter. You're Siggy De Winter. That is my family name. At my uncle's death, when I succeeded to his barony in the States, I took his title. Oh, well, I say, it's a snug world. But tell me, how did I get all the way down here? That is of some interest to me, too. Well, I left Marlenstein three weeks ago to do a big trek after lions. I took on some new natives and they made trouble. Looted the stores one night, started quite a little shooting party. They took my compass when they deserted and here I am, a hundred miles off my course. And you're in very poor shape physically. What brought you out to Africa, Domini? Oh, search for oblivion if you want the truth. Things are quite finished with me back home. Not very popular, you know. When did you leave England? Years ago. 1903. Only seems a century. Come to think of it, I heard rumors. Weren't you washed out of British intelligence? Oh, dishonorably discharged from everything, old boy. The world flourishes. And if you don't mind, I came out to Africa to forget a place called England. Confound you for making me talk about it. You know, our meeting in the heart of Africa's jungle is indeed remarkable. You really must remain as my guest. I'm doing, Dr. Schmidt. But in his present condition, whiskey is like poison. An effective poison. Eh? To loosen his well-bred English tongue. As a doctor, it is my duty to Your warn duty you. Your duty as a German comes first. Domini will swill like a pig and forget his English decorum. I want information in full, detailed and personal. I've just cabled Berlin, the Kaiser himself, in fact. Brilliant proposal. Dr. Schmidt... I may soon leave this steaming tropical hell. But first, Edward Dominey must drink and talk. I always knew what a sensitive, delicate creature my wife was, von Ragestein. She's Viennese, you know. We met while I was traveling on the continent. I... Married her against the family's wishes. She was a bit uncomfortable for a while when we went back to England, learning the language and all that. Well, it was horrible that night she went to pieces. Your glass is empty. You were saying about your wife... She... she cracked up mentally that night. From shock. A nightmare for me. 
She was terribly fond of her brother, Kurt, and thought I'd murdered him. Well, and on top of everything else... You are in debt, too, I suppose. Oh, everything is mortgaged, including my life. Cashiered from the service, wife a mental case. Oh, well, Panagastein, you talk for a bit. I'd like to hear about somebody else's miseries. What was behind your exile? A woman, her husband, and a duel. The Kaiser packed me off to this malarial jungle. Oh, I'd say we both rather mucked things up. I have my hopes of happier circumstances. Oh. Well, that's more than I can say. Dr. Schmidt, look, my cable to Berlin has produced results. My triumphant proposal is triumphantly acclaimed. Ah, so? After seven years, I now have an opportunity to restore myself to the Kaiser's good graces. In a few days, I shall report to Mr. Alfred Zeman, our agent in Johannesburg, for further orders. And then I shall resume my career. Zeman, eh? <laughs> I begin to appreciate the plan. You will then proceed to England under his instruction. Precisely. Mm -hmm. I shall undertake a great impersonation. The impersonation of Sir Edward Dominey. Wait. You sound just like him, Excellency. <laughs> Quite a brilliant plan, eh, Schmidt? Quite, Excellency. And there is this remarkable likeness between us, and Domini speaks German as well as I speak English. He has not seen an Englishman who knows him for many years. Any school or college friends who I may encounter, I should be able to satisfy. When we were at school together, and our resemblance was not as pronounced then as it is now, I stayed at Domini Hall, and I know his relatives. Tonight, he has babbled for hours, telling me many things that it is well for me to know. What about his near relatives? He has none nearer than cousins. No wife? Yes. He married a Viennese girl, but fortunately she is insane. Insane, it seems, through a shock for which he was responsible. She might have been the only stumbling block, and she is as though she did not exist. It is a great scheme, perfect. But suppose the Englishman should return himself? It will be your duty to help me see that he does not return, Dr. Schmidt. Oh. I understand, Excellency. But nothing must happen here in our camp. Domini will leave here tomorrow. Give him two natives for escort. Instruct them to bring the Englishman to the waterfall of the Blue River. I shall be encamped there, waiting... I dare not rely upon fate and the natives alone. The success of my impersonation depends upon Sir Edward Dominey's keeping his long-awaited rendezvous with death. Alfred Zeman. At your service. How do you do? My name is Domini, Sir Edward Domini. We have met before? I don't believe so. I arrived in Johannesburg this morning on a business matter. May I present my credentials, Mr. Zeman? Come into my private office, if you please. The password. The tag count. Your credentials are most interesting. They must obtain for me a loan of 100,000 pounds. I'm a businessman, Sir Edward. What collateral do you offer? 
A dead Englishman who lies at the bottom of a river in German East Africa. <laughs> My dear Baron von Ragerstein, even with your credentials, I find it hard to believe you are not an Englishman. Von Ragerstein died two months ago, Mr. Seyman. You play this part so well, I'm thankful our diplomatic service did not lose you to the theater years ago. Thank you, but any man educated in England, as long as I was, could be as convincing. Now, you know His Majesty's instructions. You understand that you are to take orders from me only? I do. Good. To practical matters now, you will require a large sum of money. Yes. I learned that Domini's ancestral estate is heavily mortgaged. He contracted debts with every living relative and friend. To regain position and prestige, he must pay up. An impecunious country squire would be of small service to the fatherland. Hey, Zayman? <laughs> to be sure. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, Sir Edward, your new, bus new business associate, Mr. Alfred Zayman, myself, will deposit to your account in the Bank of South Africa the sum of 100,000 pounds. Then, on Saturday next, you and I shall sail for England and put the money to good use through Sir Edward Dominey's solicitor... Mr. Charles Mangan. Good morning, Mr. Mangan. Morning. Good morning, Morris. Sir Edward Dominey's arrived in England, Mr. Mangan. Dominey? Dominey, you say? What's that fool spendthrift back after all these years? I don't want to see him, Morris. But he arrived at 8.30. I was obliged to ask him to wait in your chambers, Mr. Mangan. I see. He's come for more money, no doubt. Well, how are you, Mangan? How do you do? Surely <laughs> you're not Edward Dominey. Why not, Mr. Mangan? Why, you... Uh, it's uh, some years since we met personally, but We I, last I... met in April, 1902, just before I left England, 11 years ago. I can't believe it. By Jove, Sir Edward, you look uncommonly well. Thank you. And now that I'm here at long last, Mangan, I'd like a full listing of the mortgage in Dominey Hall and my numerous creditors. Dominey, let's get this straight. You can't borrow another penny. Calm yourself. I haven't come for that. As a matter of fact, I intend to pay off the mortgages and settle my personal indebtedness. What? I've had some luck lately, Mangan. I've made a good deal of money in Africa. You've made money? Great Scott. Oh, <laughs> forgive me, Sir Edward, but... Uh... Great Scott, why, you're the first domino who's ever earned a penny. At this moment, I have a credit balance at the Bank of South Africa of something over a hundred thousand pounds. You may draw upon it immediately. One hundred thousand? I say, you are Edward Domini. We must get reacquainted, Mangan. It's been a long time. Will you have lunch with me at the Carlton Grill Room? Shall we say one o'clock? <laughs> Another sherry, Sir Edward? No, thank you. Oh. You know, your experiences are almost beyond belief. The impossible does frequently happen. But enough of my adventures. Suppose you bring me up to date now on news of London society. Oh, with pleasure. I presume you intend to call upon your relatives here. Oh, would they be delighted to see me? Oh, well, my dear fellow, you... Uh... You were in a state of chronic impecuniosity during your last residence. <laughs> Borrowed myself right out of future welcome, huh? Well, uh... right, I'm sure a relative of mine had crossed the street to see me again. Oh, that would apply to the Duchess of Worcester, surely. She was always your champion, do you remember? Yes, the Duchess uh, was always gracious. Hmm. But even she got fed up before I left, so I doubt if I shall trouble her. Well, you may not have a choice in the matter. 
She entered the dining room a few moments ago. Oh? Uh, which one? The lady wearing the grey-plumed hat. That's your cousin. Oh, really? Is that uh, Valerie? She seems to have changed. Well, you've been away 11 years. I say, she's spotted me. Uh, is it you, Mangan? At any rate, she's heading this way. Do, Mr. Mangan. I hope you're looking after my Leicestershire tenants. We shall make a report to you in due course. Uh, your Grace, don't you remember your cousin? Cousin? He's only just returned to England. Sir Edward Dominey. Edward Dominey? It's been such a long time, Valerie. Edward, really? But it doesn't seem possible. You've changed so. When did we last meet? <laughs> Fair enough challenge, Sir Edward. Well, I... I should consider our uh, last meeting uh, somewhat personal. It was at um, Worcester Hall, I, I believe. Uh, Sir Edward, what an unexpected pleasure. Ah, Zayman, delighted to see you. May I present my cousin, Her Grace the Duchess of Worcester, and my legal advisor, Mr. Mangan. This is my business associate, Mr. Alfred Zayman. How, How do you do? do? You met Sir Edward in Africa, Mr. Zayman? Several years ago, Your Grace. I've been remarking on his change. In what way? Oh, he seems stronger, more assured somehow. I dare say it's a chemical change due to extended residence in the tropics. Eh? <laughs> I see what you mean. Waiter, another chair, please. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Sir Edward, I do believe that young lady at the corner table over there wishes to get your attention. Uh, which lady? A very handsome one. I know her. It's the famous Hungarian beauty, you know, Princess uh, Alderstrom. I say she's coming over here. Do forgive my coming over this way, Your Grace, but this gentleman seems to have grown nearsighted with the years. Leopold, how dare you come to London and not let me know? Leopold, you mistake my identity, Your Highness. <laughs> oh, mistake? You deny to me that you are Leopold von Reigerstein? My name is Edward Dominey. I am the Duchess' cousin. You are not Leopold? Your Grace. He is your cousin, so it would appear, my dear. Oh, but it's fantastic resemblance. I, I'm sorry. Forgive my intrusion. Leopold, say it Oh, Princess Idestrom, how do you do? I have waited here for a moment to speak to you alone. Oh, it was so embarrassing in the dining room. Oh, not at all. People are forever mistaking strangers for someone they know. Oh, Leopold, do not provoke me this way. I know it is you. Every movement, every gesture. And your face is bright in my memory. I regret not being the gentleman you think me, Your Highness. Leopold, I am not deceived. You have some reason for hiding your identity. But I must see you. Tonight, nine o'clock at the German embassy, there is a reception. Princess Idestrom, I'm sorry. I am not Leopold von whatever, and I have a previous engagement this evening. This is all very intriguing, Mr. Zeman. But I have no interest in your fantastic German schemes. I came here to tell you, Your Highness, that von Ragerstein's masquerade as Domini will terminate in the fall at the very latest. The war, when it comes, will not last long, Princess. Our timetable is perfected. Oh, you stupid little man, prattling of world conquest. I tell you, these things do not interest me. I must see Leopold. It has been so many years. Please, I ask for discretion. I must have your promise. Germany's future's at stake. Mr. Seyman, 
My separation from Leopold has been long and cruel. Now this ridiculous impersonation. I warn you, even if Leopold leaves London, I shall find him wherever he is and go to him. see Princess Eiderstrom, Baron. I reasoned with her as best as I could, but she insists. I'm sorry, Simon. My cousin, the Duchess of Worcester, has graciously agreed to accompany me to Dominey Hall tomorrow. Stephanie, dare not follow me there. I shan't return to London for quite some time. Oh, so the Duchess goes with you. That's a stroke of luck. I think she's still suspicious. But uh, what are my further instructions, Simon? You understand your usefulness to us depends upon establishing and maintaining your position as an English gentleman. Of course. What precisely is my function? Oh, this is a long-range plan. A magnificent gamble. For the present, your orders are to ingratiate yourself as Domini and acquire a taste for the country life of an English baronet. <laughs> then my orders are easily carried out. As you haven't been accepted at Domini Hall. You understand your position with regard to Domini's domestic affairs? I believe Domini told me enough, most of it. All that you need to know? Tomorrow you must go to Dominey Hall and face the crucial test. Well, there were one or two personal intimacies which lay beyond the limits of questioning. It was not your duty to cater to someone's personal refinements. You should have dragged all the information from his throat. His reticence obviously concerned his, uh, my, uh, relationship with Lady Dominey. I believe I am blamed for the death of her brother, a belief which brought upon her a mental illness. I showed you her picture, Zaman. She's rather delicately beautiful, not at all dangerous-looking. Yeah. Fortunately, she's hopelessly insane. And if she were not? Then, my friend, your great impersonation would be kaput. You mean you've not wired ahead to Dominey Hall to say we're coming? I decided it would be wiser not to, Valerie. Edward, you don't. Do you want to shock Rosalinda into a mental setback? I doubt if my homecoming will make that much difference to her. After all, it's been 11 years. I don't know where to begin to understand you. Truthfully, why have you returned to England, and why can't you leave the past alone? Perhaps it refuses to leave me alone until I try to undo the harm I've done my wife. Remorse in you, Edward? I don't believe it. Incidentally, if you expect to reach your ancestral home, you're making the wrong turn. Oh, quite so. Ten years have certainly brought changes. The old retaining wall is down, I see. That wall's been down, to my knowledge, at least 20 years. Oh, really? Uh, Shows how unconcerned I was about this place. Dominey Hall will find me a changed master. We certainly agree on that. Now, you ought to wait out here. It's only decent to prepare Rosalinda for the shock of seeing you again. Dominie, I've come to visit Annie. Yes, Your Grace. Her ladyship's having tea with Dr. Harrison, Your Grace. We have company, Annie. Hello, Rosalinda. Look what an ill wind blew down from London. Valerie, what an unexpected pleasure. <laughs> Another cup, Annie. Do yes, come in. Ah, oh, hello there. Oh, I'm pleased to see you again, Dr. Harrison. Pleasure is mine, Your Grace. Rosalinda, you're looking simply splendid. Thanks to Dr. Harrison's magic. Oh, not at all. He's been wonderful to me. I walk through the gardens, I play the piano, and I love it. <laughs> if you can believe it, Valerie. My dear child, you'll find me quite ready to believe anything. I do hope you've come to stay a while. Oh, at least for the night. Yes. Yes, I'm all well again. 
Dr. Harrison, friends are coming to visit me. Uh, Rosalind, I, I have some surprising news. News? Please, my dear, try not to be too shocked. Unpleasant news, is it? Well, perhaps I should tell you first, Dr. Harrison. Tell me, Valerie, you must. Is it news of court? No, no, not news of your brother. And tell me, please, don't keep me waiting. Edward's returned. He's here. Edward? Yes, sir. Edward is allowed to go about freely, but he killed my brother. Rosalinda, my dear, please. And he still walks about as a free man. Edward's come to help you, Rosalinda. He's waiting outside in my For car. For 11 years, I had no news of court. Edward fought with him and murdered him. Rosalinda, you must not let go this way. Come, come, Lady Domine. There's no doubt about what happened, and you know it, Dr. Harrison. We've always faced the possibility of Sir Edward's return. He shall not come into this house. You mustn't feel this way, Lady Domine. Tell him to go away, Dr. Harrison. Tell him never to dare to return. My dear child, you're too well to yield to these... Tell him to go away, I say, or I will kill him. Listen to me seriously, Sir Edward. It was most fortunate that Her Grace had taken Lady Domine up to her room before you came into the house. You must remember that in her present state of mind, Lady Domine is quite capable of taking your life. I refuse to believe that. And I refuse to give her the opportunity to express her obsession against you. I say, would you come here to the light, Sir Edward? You find me changed, Dr. Harrison? One's appearance may change over the course of ten years, but one's character... Sir Edward, remove your waistcoat and your shirt. I, uh, I suppose you wish to identify the chest wound my uh, brother-in-law Kurt inflicted the night we fought. My surgery saved your life that night. I alone know the scar it had leave on your chest. Well, it's uh, somewhat altered, unfortunately, as you may see for yourself. Domine, what is this? The result of a hunting accident, Doctor Harrison. How'd you ever survive such a mauling? Luck. But I'm afraid it's obliterated the record of your fine surgery. Mm. Perhaps that accounts for the change in you. Perhaps you found courage in the jungle. I confess I'd consider that a miracle, if I believed in miracles. Edward, you are quite impossible. Dr. Harrison, can't you reason with this headstrong fellow? Eventually, perhaps, Lady Domine will accept your return as a matter of course, Sir Edward. In the meantime, it would be best for you to take up residence at the inn in the village. I see no reason to change my plans, Doctor. Well, why are you determined to disregard everyone's advice? Why must you willfully risk your life here tonight? Valerie, what? the time has come to prove something to myself. You are certainly stubborn. Where do you plan to sleep? The oak rooms, my sweet, I believe. You'll be next to Rosalinda's sweet, you fool. That sleeping draught Dr. Harrison gave her won't last. You'll be in danger when she awakens. Don't you realize how much she hates you? My dear cousin, you've a macabre turn of mind. That sounds like a storm blowing up. Well, good night to you. Who's there? A candle in my face. Who? Edward. You shouldn't have come back. Rosalinda. Edward. You... I cannot sleep. Since you've been in the house, I've been walking around in my room. I, I had to come here and speak to you. When I lie with my eyes closed, I see you. 
As I saw you last, reeling home, wildly drunk, and coats blood wet on your hands. Edward, can you realize that it takes all my strength to try not to kill you somehow? Rosalinda, my dear, I didn't take your brother's life. Oh, Edward, where is he then? Where did Kurt disappear to 11 years ago? Why did he not come back if you did not kill him? You quarreled and you fought. Oh, no. How can you believe this? And how can you believe of yourself that you could ever take my life? Oh, Rosalinda. Darling, I'm so confused. Let me go back to Vienna. Let me go home to be with my family for a while. Of course. Thank you. Please. Take me back to my room now, please. Well, I must confess I'm relieved to see you downstairs, alive and healthy this morning, Sir Edward. I fear the Duchess and I frightened you unduly last evening. You did indeed, Dr. Harrison. All Lady Domini needs is a change, a visit to her family in Vienna. And if you think treatment is necessary, can you make an arrangement with a physician you would recommend in Vienna? There are many good men in Vienna. My wife's health and happiness are my sole interests. I think it's best for her to leave at once. I'll be happy to be of service, Sir Edward. But do you want such a long separation from your wife? Whatever is best for her is best for me. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yes, darling. You should have gone long before this. And when I return, I will be the healthiest girl in the world. It seems so strange talking with you after so many years. Have I changed so much? Oh, so much. But before I go, please, Edward, tell me, please, what did happen to Court? Why did you kill him? Rosalinda, you've... No real memory of what happened between your brother and me. I... Well, let's not worry about that now. You'll have the best possible time in Vienna with your family. I know what you're really thinking. You're thinking I'll be out of the way. You're not interested in my welfare. Why, what do you mean? I suspected it before. But now I know. Now that I see you here by daylight and... Here you speak. Now I understand perfectly why I couldn't kill you. You are very like him. But you are not Edward Domini. You are not my husband at all. interested to know that Lady Domini is now en route to Vienna. Splendid, splendid. Nicely done. I am quite free now to assume duties that extend beyond the enjoyment of a country squire's life. You've been very clever. The Kaiser is pleased. By the way, I understand that the Princess Ida Strom was given an audience with the Kaiser last week. Oh, really? On what subject? I haven't found out as yet. But the big news is this. When war is declared, you will become our unofficial ambassador here, the nerve center of our entire espionage. 
Edward. I do hope you'll forgive this unconventional visit to Dominey Hall. Yes, it is rather unconventional, Stephanie, and most indiscreet. I didn't know you had returned to England. May I ask your purpose in coming here? I have this letter for you, Leopold. Special orders, which you may act upon at once. Here you are. Thank you. But you do not need to read it now. I know its contents by heart. It is from Kaiser Wilhelm himself. It says, We look with favor upon your future marriage to the Princess Stephanie of Eiderstrom. Your union shall be blessed by the church and approved by my court. It was signed in my presence by the emperor. Oh, Leopold, we are together at last. There is nothing to stand between us now. Think, Stephanie, think. I am as I have been addressed here and as I must remain yet for months to come. Edward Dominey, an Englishman and the owner of this house, the husband of Lady Dominey. And where is your reputed wife? In Vienna with her family. She has practically recovered and she cannot remain there much longer. You must insist that she does remain there. I ask you to consider the suspicions that would be excited by such a course. Stephanie, how can I marry you and fulfill my role here for Germany? And how can you be so logical and restrained with me, Leopold? You sit there like, like the cold Englishman whose place you are taking. You whose tears have fallen before now on my hand. Whose lips have... Stephanie, Leopold is dead until the coming of certain great events may bring him to life again. But if you're clever enough to lead another man's life, Leopold, you surely can be resourceful enough to include me. We have the Kaiser's permission. You can find a way. We could be married secretly. Oh, Stephanie, I... I must have time to think. I must consider my mission here above everything. I plead only for delay. The Leopold I knew would never plead for anything. I wonder sometimes if you haven't left him in Africa and come to England in his likeness. Think that, please, for just a little while longer. I have been thinking it for some time now. And there is one way to know for sure. Now, please, I'm ready to leave. Will you escort me to my car, Sir Edward? A German should know how to obey. As long as you had the Kaiser's consent, you could have married the princess secretly. It might have saved much trouble. I take official orders from you, Zaman, but I'll have no further interference in my personal life. You Junkers know very well how to be arrogant, von Ragerstein. What do you hear from Lady Domini? Why, the reports on her health seem to be quite encouraging. Why do you suddenly introduce the subject of Lady Domini? I have reason to believe that your interest in her extends beyond the needs of your impersonation and may possibly be dividing your loyalties. Let me hold a match to your cigar, my friend. Uh, thank you. Never noticed your hand so unsteady before. Can it be that you are suspicious of me, Zaman? In our unpleasant business, we must be suspicious even of ourselves. Uh, yes, Stevens. A gentleman is calling, Sir Edward. A Mr. Ludwig Müller of German East Africa. Oh? I don't believe I know him, Stevens. Mr. Müller states his visitors of a personal rather than business nature. Sir Ludwig Edward. Müller? Never heard of him. He's not from Johannesburg. Show him, Stevens. Your suspicions regarding my interest in Lady Dominey are quite ridiculous, Zaman. I've seen her only twice. My dear friend, your talk and acting won't convince me. 
You are no longer in love with the princess. Mr. Miller, Sir Edward. Sir Edward? How do you do? Have we met previously? I believe not, Sir Edward. I am a cousin of Dr. Carl Schmidt. Of course. How is my friend Schmidt? In excellent health. He gave me a letter of personal introduction to you. Oh, thank you. I, I should like to present Mr. Alfred Zaman, my business associate. Oh, we are old friends, I think. I'm delighted to meet you again, Johann Wolf. You are quite mistaken, sir. I am Ludwig Müller. Don't take me for an imbecile. Your face is clean-shaven. The color of your hair is now red, but I know you to be Johann Wolf. It's dangerous for you to be in England. What is your mission? You confuse my identity, sir. I am Ludwig Müller. Dr. Schmidt sent me to advise Sir Edward that a certain Englishman is not dead. What do you say? There are liable reports that the Englishman made his way to the coast. There's danger of his unexpected return here, which would be disastrous. Well, it's ridiculous. I know what happened to that Englishman. He's lying at the bottom of the Blue River. Surprising of you to come all the way from Africa to report a rumor. Now tell us your real purpose, Mr. Johan Wolf. I've given all my information... I'm sorry you mistake me for another man. Well, there's no point in arguing this now. It's much too late. Unless you've made other arrangements, Mr. Mueller, may I offer you the hospitality of my home? Thank you. I should be happy to accept. Your work is counter-espionage, Johann Wolf, and Schmidt had some other purpose in sending you to England. You're here to make trouble. Evidently, I no longer have the complete trust of Berlin. This must be settled between us. You will accompany me to Berlin tomorrow, Johann Wolf. I'm glad you're still awake. What is it, Saban? He's gone. Johann Wolf disappeared. You mean Ludwig Miller disappeared? He's Wolf, all right. I went to his room. I found his bed undisturbed. He's gone. But where? How would he leave? It's quite impossible. It is not impossible. I searched the house. We're in trouble, my friend. Something has gone wrong. What? What possible mischief? Wait. I hear a car. Perhaps he's not yet gone. Huh. Sounds as if the car were arriving, not leaving. Then they've sent someone for him. It was all planned. Come with me at once. Hurry. Your manner's extraordinarily excited. Oh, you're a fool. Somebody's afraid the impersonation will be exposed. Wolf was sent here to murder you or me, or possibly both of us. I know how they operate. Oh, but that's illogical. If that were his purpose, why would he disappear? Because I've exposed him. Who's that? Stop! I have a pistol. Oh, look here, it's only Stevens. I was just coming to your room, Sir Edward. What happened to Ludwig Müller? When did he leave? Leave, sir. To my knowledge, the gentleman is asleep. No, he's not in his room. I was there. Oh, then perhaps he was restless and wanted to walk about the ground. Ridiculous. Sir Edward, I came to tell you that Lady Domine's come home. Lady Domine? I'm returning to London at once, Sir Edward. I trust it will not disappoint Lady Domine not to see you, but I must ask you to leave with me. Stop, please. Edward, you're back from London. Yes. You play beautifully. Chopin. Yes. I didn't know you'd be coming back to Domini Hall. I thought... I'm sorry I had to leave so abruptly the other night when you'd only just arrived. You look wonderfully well, Rosalinda. Were you angry with me for coming home? 
I had to come back. There was so much talk of war in Vienna. It's more than talk, my dear. Archduke Ferdinand and his wife were assassinated in Sarajevo today. Oh, no. I'm afraid this is the beginning. Will I came involved? back here to join my regiment. Will England be involved, too? It seems inevitable. We're mobilizing. Oh, Edward. But don't worry now. Darling. Darling, were you displeased with me for returning unannounced? You mean when I left without seeing you? Of course not, Rosalinda. Zayman was here. We had to go to London. Some stupid business matter came up. Business that took you away in the middle of the night? Yes. Well, tell me the truth, Edward. When you came back, I was attracted to you because you seemed somehow different, new, someone else. I've never known before what it meant to be jealous. I hated myself. In Vienna, the servants mentioned Princess Eiderstrom. I saw her there. She's a most beautiful, sophisticated woman. I know the princess was here to visit you, Edward. Oh, I'm seeing all these things I, I did not want to see. I understand, my dear. You are my husband, Edward. I never really distrusted you, those terrible years of illness. But now I know for sure I... I must apologize for so many stupidities. My dear child. I'm not a child anymore. I'm your wife. And I come home realizing I must take a wife's place. I've counted too many wasted years. I believe you now. I believe you did not kill my brother. Oh, there's so much to tell you, Rosalinda. And I wish we might talk now. But... I shall only be here for a few hours. I must return to London this afternoon. I see. Forgive me for making this scene. It is somehow hard for me to accept reality. I realize there was nothing at all for me to come home to. since you came returned to England, Lady Dominic? Yes, three weeks. Oh, this talk of war is so depressing, so shocking. The friendship between England and Germany, I still refuse to believe we will have war. Uh, Sir Edward arrived yet? Is he coming here today? So we had arranged. Oh, I'm quite ignorant about my husband's whereabouts these days. He's taking up permanent residence in London. <laughs> Unavoidable, I suppose. These past few weeks have played havoc with the stock market. But I was expecting to meet Sir Edward here. Then I'm sure he will be here. Perhaps this is he now. Hello there. I'm sorry to be late, Zayman. How are you, Rosalinda? I'm well, thank you. You're in uniform, Edward. Yes. I must acknowledge that as depressing as the sight of a uniform is to me, yours is becoming, Sir Edward. Will you be staying? I'm afraid that depends on my business with Mr. Zayman. Then, of course, you must excuse me. I shall look forward to seeing you again, Lady Domini. Thank you. Good afternoon. Yes, she has exquisite beauty, my friend. Your residence in London is greater proof of your duty to Germany than your seeming sacrifice in refusing 
to marry the princess. Zaman, what's happened to Stephanie all this while? I understand the princess has been away, but she returned to England yesterday. Oh, indeed? If there's war, she'll be interned. Of greater importance, my friend, is the news that I have finally located the whereabouts of Johann Wolf. He's being held in prison here. Prison? On what charge? There is no charge against him. You can't hold a man in an English prison without a trial and conviction? He's detained in a military prison. Wolf was a marked man with the British Secret Service. They were waiting for him. Oh, that's somebody's stupid blunder. He was here, and if the British Secret Service associate me with Johann Wolf, we'll be in trouble, Zaman. I can't understand it. I cabled Dr. Schmidt for information on the nature of, of Wolf's mission here, but evidently Schmidt has been transferred. Zaman, to be quite practical, is it discreet for us to meet so often? This is my final visit to Dominey Hall. Tonight I leave England. Oh, well, you go. Ireland. I have some papers for you, my friend. This morning our ambassador left for Berlin. The time has come for you to take over. Ah, you've brought my orders. Yes. And they are of such vital importance I feel reluctant to let the documents out of my hands. Baron, in this book you have the secret records of our German embassy. You know how important it is? Of course. Beg pardon, Sir Edward. Uh, yes, Stevens? The Princess Eiderstrom asks to be announced. A gentleman is with her. You must ask the princess to wait. Mr. Zaman and I have business to conclude. But I do not like to be kept waiting, Sir Edward. I beg your pardon. I have brought someone with me I'm sure you remember. Dr. Carl Schmidt from German East Africa. Oh, I, of course. Dr. Schmidt, it's good to see you again. Are you well? I am well, Sir Edward. May I present Mr. Zaman? I'm delighted to see you, Dr. Schmidt. I have recently sent you a cablegram inquiring about a gentleman you know as Ludwig Müller. Are you leaving us, Sir Edward? Oh, not at all. I was about to ring for Stevens. On my advice, Murder was sent here to identify Sir Edward Dominey. I told him how this identification was possible. What do you mean, Dr. Schmidt? By the earlobes. Who is he, Dr. Schmidt? Name him. Identify him. The earlobes. Yes, you are the Englishman, as I suspected. Müller had orders to kill this man. Are you telling me this is not Baron von Ragerstein? What have you done with Leopold? I suggest that he killed Leopold. Oh, you're out of your mind, Dr. Schmidt. You, of all people, know the circumstances under which I assumed this impersonation. You are a liar, but you cannot lie to me. There was one difference. The earlobes. I am a student of physiognomy. I cannot be deceived. Tell me what happened to Leopold. Dr. Schmidt, will you swear to me on your life that this man is not the Baron? Point your revolver to my head and I still swear he is not. He is an imposter. I felt it from the very first. Why, you... Look out! Look out! I have him, sir. And I'll keep this revolver, Zaman. Thank you, Stevens. I, I told you, this man is the Englishman. He has my embassy papers. Quite so. Stevens will deliver them to our secret service. You killed Leopold. You murderer. Correct. It was his life or mine. Don't move, Dr. Schmidt. You and Zaman are under arrest. You can't arrest us. To the contrary. Von Ragerstein was aware that I was once a member of the secret service in England. He believed I'd been washed out. I wanted him to believe that. I went to his camp deliberately. I knew Von Ragerstein would think of getting rid of me to carry out an impersonation... And when he began to question me closely as to my personal life, I had proof. When we met at the Blue River that fateful night, the Baron didn't find me as drunk as he hoped. We fought fairly, and he lost. Leopold. You know the rest, Mr. Zaman? I am and always have been, Sir Edward Dominey.
I know you are Edward. Only I did not dare believe it when you first came back. Rosalinda, why not? Mostly, I think, because I could not bear the thought that you... that you had killed my brother. So when you returned after all those years, I simply had to think of you as another man. I didn't kill Kurt, my darling. Why couldn't you believe me years ago and trust me? Because he did disappear. There was no word. But now in Vienna, I had to remember so many things about Kurt. Such unpleasant things, horrible. I hadn't ever wanted to face them. His gambling, his wild extravagance that nearly brought you to ruin, financially. Yes, I know. And then I suppose I always felt there was a touch of madness in Kurt. I began to grow horribly afraid there, there might be the same unbalance in me. In you? Oh, no. My darling, there's nothing in you that remotely resembles Kurt. And I have a surprise. What? I'm free now to tell you what's happened to him. Kurt is in Australia. Alive! Kurt! How do you know? Are you quite sure? Oh, I am quite sure. Eleven years ago, he was ordered to leave England because he discovered I was in the Secret Service. He threatened to sell the information to Germany, and I had no alternative but to place him in custody. But why, then, did he never write? He has written, but the letters were retained at headquarters. They've kept them for you, and I can get them for you now. I'm afraid Kurt will never be permitted to return, but you'll be free to visit him if you like. And to leave you? Is that what you want? Oh, how can you ask such a foolish question? Well... You, you don't act like a husband. Oh, Edward, dear darling, it's been so long. I want a place in your life again. My dearest, you've never lost your place in my life. The hardest part of my great impersonation, believe me, was pretending that I didn't love you. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show.
Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.